0: Hello, hello, friends and gamers. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Joseph Scherizzi, the founder and CEO of Keep. Joseph has been a Solidity developer for seven years, having contributed to projects like Gitcoin, Consensus, and OpenSea. Now he has founded a new company, Keep, to build the onboarding stacking that makes Web3 ready for everyone to use. Keep is making Web3 accessible and safe for everyone with tools like social logins and extra security layers for wallets, games, and apps. Game Wallet is an extension of that, a Game Boy cartridge that has a secure crypto wallet inside. You can find out more at GameWallet.gg. You know, this was one of the more interesting products and people I've gotten to talk to because initially when I saw about this on Twitter... I was just really hyped because I love retro games. And I was like, this is sick. This combines my love of retro games, combines my love of crypto, combines what I think is a massive need for cold storage, self-custody. And after talking to Joseph, it it was crazy to see how much he's really just trying to do a great service for the community. I initially thought, uh, not that this was a gimmick or like a a way that somebody was trying to grab money. It's funny how it was just properly timed on accident at the whole ledger debacle which if you need to know more about that there are links in the show notes about it but he's really just trying to do a great service for the community himself and with his company and i think he's really just trying to give people their own unique control so they're not stuck in situations like with ledger where they want to self-custody but don't know how or have to wait and i just really appreciated that you know um as somebody who really tries to give back through this podcast. I just hope people find it, learn things, find it interesting. It was refreshing to meet someone who that was really like their whole get-go with their company and everything they are doing. So I have nothing but respect for Joseph. Um, I bugged him on Twitter so much after I saw this, and I was like, I really, really want to talk to you about this. And I'm so glad he let me keep bugging him and took the time to talk to me because it was a really interesting conversation. And not only am I really looking forward to buying one, I'm really looking forward to when it launches and how people react to it and how the community accepts it and sees it at large. And I'm just really happy for any success it brings Joseph. So a great conversation as always, guys and gals. Only thing I want to note is I feel like I'm talking to a bunch of dudes in Web3 Gaming, and I know there's plenty of amazing women in Web3 Gaming. So if you have a project and you are a woman leading in Web3 Gaming, please reach out and let's have you on the podcast because I would love to talk to more women in the industry. My name is Matthew, and this is the Web3 Gamer. Hey crypto enthusiasts, tired of your cold digital wallets? Warm up with the freshest pick of the blockchain. Introducing Melon Coin. It's sweet, it's juicy, and it's the crypto you never knew you were missing out on. Dive deep into the melon mind, discover the power of the cantaloupe chain, uncover the secrets of honeydew hashing, and marvel at the watermelon wallet. Just head to MelonMarketExchange.com and remember, the juicier the melon, the richer the coin. You just might find yourself a millionaire. Melan coin is purely fictitious and should be consumed with a pinch of salt. Side effects may include fruit cravings, blockchain bafflement, and excessive laughter. Do not invest more than you can chew. Hi, I am Matthew Simone. This is the Web3 Gamer, and I am here with Joseph Scherizzi of Keep. Joseph, first off, can you tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into this project of Keep? Are you Are you a crypto fan? Were you a fan of Web3? Are you a fan of NFTs? Are you a fan of a little bit of everything?
1: Sure. Yeah, I first got really into Ethereum in 2017 when I started working for Consensus in D.C. Uh, and I really fell in love with Solidity as a programming language because of how simple it is. And I always really hated server hosting and trying to build apps uh, always requires that type of work. So when I learned about Solidity and the idea of deploying code onto a blockchain where it just lives immutably. It doesn't need to be hosted. It doesn't need to be maintained and anyone in the world can access it. Uh, That really blew my mind. And I've been working uh, in crypto and the Web3 space since then um, on a variety of projects. I've contributed to Gitcoin, OpenSea, uh, Decentraland, uh Meta Cartel, raid guild and some other dows and yeah i really just engrossed myself in this type of world uh, with the goal of making crypto and web3 just easier and safer for more people
0: that's really cool so can i ask before you started learning solidity were you yeah. did you did you already know any sort of development or coding or was that your first interim into it
1: yeah so uh I originally started programming so that I could make uh, mods for Minecraft when I was a kid. <laughs> I really think Minecraft <laughs> is a great gateway drug to computer science. Yeah. And I kind of spiraled out of control from there. And then my background was originally in computer science and then um, just loved learning new programming languages. That's actually
0: kind of how Game Wallet uh, was originally started, too. Was you just wanting to try a different gaming program language or?
1: Yeah, so I've been trying to get better at assembly and learning the assembly language, which is like a very low level, very close to the hardware programming language. And I learned that Game Boy actually has their own version of assembly called GB assembly that they made. I said, oh, well, wouldn't it be fun little side project to like go? Try to turn SHA-256, the hashing algorithm that keeps Ethereum accounts secure, uh, and try to implement that on a Game Boy. And it turns out it was possible, and everything kind of uh, piggybacked on on that just as an experiment and of me just trying to learn new programming languages.
0: That's funny. So it wasn't even yeah, it is. It the, is product, a co- the product a was coincidence. <laughs> the product was a whole afterthought. It was really just you being you just your desire and love of like learning new programming languages initially it sounds like.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Huh. Sorry, I didn't mean to
0: to steal your your questions. No, you're fine. Okay. You're fine. It's all open discussion. Great. Well, so then uh, that makes me think since you mentioned Minecraft back in the day, Not as much now. I know as we get older, I have less time to game, but I still make time for it. I guess, do you consider yourself a gamer? And if so, like, what were some of your favorite games growing up? Or what are some of your games currently?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've had the same RuneScape account for almost 20 years now. I think I'm at like 18.5 years. Uh, amazing. And I'm still, I think that my first real experience with, with DAOs was joining a RuneScape clan. And obviously, we didn't call it a DAO, but that's kind of how it operated.
0: That's actually really interesting. I never would have thought of it that way. But now that you say it, that really is how they would work. I I played Runescape probably for about five or six years, Mm -hmm. and then... you know, all my other friends fell out of it. So I fell out of it. But um, I do remember having one friend who stuck with it for like another five or six years after that. And a lot of us being like, I can't believe you're still playing RuneScape. And they're just like, y'all just don't get it. Like it's timeless to me. And I I can see that now in hindsight. Whereas at the time I was like, well, the whole point I started is I want to play with friends online. They were all playing it. So I started playing it, really enjoyed it. I mean, I love fantasy games. I love MMO um, and MMORPGs, MMORPGs. But um, once they moved on to other things, I was like, well, I want to play with them first and foremost, so I guess I'll move on to other things. And I have gone back and revisited it um, a little bit, but uh, I think really for me, the main thing that drove it home was playing it with friends, Um, but I still love it as a game. It's timeless in my heart. I'll never forget it.
1: (laughs) I, I gave this talk at ETH Denver this past year about the GDP of RuneScape, and it's actually one of the things that continues to motivate me to work in Web3 and Web3 gaming space because It makes me very sad to think about a private equity company buying the rights to RuneScape and maybe someday deleting years of progress and and work and uh, this character that I uh, feel very connected to, you know.
0: Well, yeah, not only you feel very connected to, but it get. I mean, again, even when I logged in, my character looked exactly the same as I had left it like almost a decade ago and memories came flooding back. I was like, Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. You're like, I forgot. Like why, why did I decide to make my hair neon green? I have no idea. You're like, why did I pick wizard class? You're like, I have no idea. You're like, but you just remember all the things. And when I was walking around the towns and stuff, I was like, I can't, I like remember everything. And I was like, this is just really cool. Even if the servers were down and there was nobody else present, I thought it was would have just been really cool to be able to go walk around the game as, like, a memory. Because it's different from, like, physical hardware you have at home. Because, like, I really like retro games. So, like, I still have, like, I literally... One of the things that I, was so interesting to me about yours is, I was like, the fact that you could play it on original Game Boy hardware, that's the plan at least. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I still have my original Game Boy. And I really want to do that. And um, so, but it's different with physical, like, hardware and cartridges and discs that they don't, you know, discs... Decay over time, but the cartridges, we can dump the ROMs and obviously we can dump the uh, discs as well, but it's something where when you don't have that for the game and you don't have like a, I I, I'm not going to pretend like I know about like coding and stuff but the backup of it, it's just that it's easier to be able to go, well this, I can still flip this cartridge in my hardware or buy another version of the hardware if this one broke and still play it, but like you said, if this is hosted on a server and it gets taken down and deleted, it's like, it's just gone and there's, unless somebody in the back end was able to preserve it or reserve it. It's like you said, it's just unfortunate that there's not even like a museum piece of it where like, Hey, the game's no longer playable in the sense of it used to, you could still visit, walk around, interact with your character. I would at least prefer that to just being completely annihilated.
1: Right. Yeah. So we can, we can, uh, I can say, you know, what is game wallet or if, you know explain more about that. Um,
0: whatever yeah, you, whatever definitely. Tell, tell us, tell us about it. Um, Tell us how you think people will use it or how you plan for people to use it. Any and all details. Love to hear it.
1: Sure. So the basis is uh, we're turning any old original Game Boy from the 90s, early 2000s, into secure offline cold storage for your seed phrase for your crypto wallet. So we can generate secure free seed phrases on a Game Boy using a brand new game boy cartridge that we are producing
0: very cool and so are you gonna stick to because i'm used to with cold wallets with the exception of ledger um some people want to have multi-sig some people want to have multi i'm sorry multi-coin and some people just want to stick strictly with like you know the big big ones like they're just like oh it's just gonna be bitcoin and ether it's just gonna be bitcoin um are y'all planning to go for any particular chains or coins you think in the beginning and maybe expand from there are you trying to keep it just a certain few that you really like core believe in
1: sure so it's totally agnostic in the sense that you can use it for any chain or however you want to do it because we're only doing the seed phrase part of it we're not doing the connecting to a network game mm-hmm. boys cannot write to bitcoin Gameboys cannot write to ethereum or send transactions over an rpc it says this is the coldest of cold storage It's a Game Boy. It doesn't connect to the internet. It doesn't have Bluetooth. It doesn't have a camera to scan uh, QR codes. There is a Game Boy camera. I don't believe it's possible to make a Game Boy camera scan QR codes. Somebody (laughs) prove me wrong. I would love to see it. I would be very happy to be wrong about that. But uh, the focus is really to just generate a seed phrase um, in a place that you know is offline on a hardware device that, you know, wherever it was manufactured, there's no back doors in it because it was manufactured before crypto existed and no one else has messed with it or put any malicious code onto the processing for it because it's been on your shelf for the last 20 years. And that's, that's, what's really special about it to me is it's kind of, A rebellious rejection of this idea that everything needs to be smart and connected. And now we have smart refrigerators and smart toasters and whatever. And all these things are connected to the internet, spying on us. And that's kind of not why we're into crypto. We're here for autonomy and to be able to actually control and own our assets. So being able to generate seed phrases that you can take to any other wallet that you can uh, use securely offline or bring it to a hot wallet if you want, um, just gives people a new option. And to be able to do that on hardware that you've already owned for 20 years or that you can buy in a thrift shop um, that was created before crypto existed is really about giving people options. Um, and uh, the ability to kind of do these things in an offline way that you know is offline
0: yeah and that's a really cool concept because i'll be honest this is the first time with any new cold storage wallet Mm -hmm. people very much are like how can we use the latest and greatest tech but still make it disconnected and not smart from everything and i like how this is a total opposite lane approach where they go we're not even worried about that we're going to go before any of that even had to be worried about and we're going to integrate that tech in with it so there's right. no worry about any of that stuff and i really like that concept i think that's a really interesting unique concept that i haven't seen because again i feel like everyone's thinking forward of we want of, of, like every every cold walled storage company really wants to they're c- always continuously trying to update they're trying to make it more air-gapped more secure um we don't hold all the seed phrases and stored on the device or you know like we we find sure. a way like i, I know coin kite they're like you can create the fake pin that if somebody were to put it in, it totally um, short circuits and destroys the device. So no one could ever have any chance of getting in. Um,
1: yeah. That, and- those are all cool features and it, there's been millions of dollars put into research on how to make secure computing enclaves where there's a black box of computation or storage on your device or on someone else's device that can never give up your seed phrase or it can never be, the memory can never be read from. And those are very, very interesting technical innovations. Uh, but sometimes there's still a layer of trust because you have to trust the company producing it, that uh, it works the way they say it does. Mm-hmm. And if your device is literally 20 years old or older, and it's a game boy that has been in your drawer for the last few decades you don't have to trust that the company is saying they it's secure that we're promising it won't give up your seed phrase or we're promising we won't connect it to the internet at some point or uh, come up with a new program that says oh take a picture of your id and send it to us and we'll we'll help you recover your seed phrase if you lose it like no that's not possible it's a Game Boy. I can't do those things.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Well, and so I'm wondering if because I first saw this your I you know, your idea circulating on Twitter right around the whole ledger debacle where people were very yeah. upset about that. And I wasn't sure if you had this idea before then where it just was good timing, like it you release at the same time, or if that maybe that instance is what finally made you go, I've had this idea, it's time to finally execute.
1: Right. Right. So, it's a little bit of both. Obviously, the timing was really good. um, And we're very lucky that it came out at the same moment that everybody really cares about uh, how their seed phrases and how the wallets are being used. And to just kind of break down what happens with Ledger is Ledger is probably the most popular hardware wallet in crypto for people to store their assets on. And A lot of people have been using Ledger for years. I've used it for years with the assumption that it was not possible for the hardware to send my seed phrase somewhere else. And then when they announced this new program that, oh, if you lose your seed phrase, we can help you recover it. If you want, if you want to sign up for that, then that's a violation of my trust as someone who bought a Ledger used it with the assumption that it could not possibly send a seed phrase. And now you're telling me that it can send the seed phrase if I want it to. And you can change how the hardware works with a firmware update. So if you can change how the firmware works to do whatever you want, add new features or or what have you, then I think that's one, just a big violation of a lot of people's trust. And two... It means i don't have as much autonomy over it as i thought i did and the great thing about a game boy is it doesn't have firmware updates it can never be updated we can never push malicious code to it somebody can never take over there will if you lose your seed phrase if you drop your game boy and your game wallet cartridge in a river it's gone we can never help you recover it which has downsides right if you're not uh, responsible with it, we can't help you. But the upside is, if you really want to, if you really want to own your assets autonomously, if you really want to self custody in the most uh, literal sense of the word, like self custody, um, it has to be on a wallet. It has to be on a device that doesn't connect to the internet that can't be updated. And that these hardware assumptions about what the hardware can possibly do um, can't change.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, um, it was interesting because after it happened, obviously, their CEO, Pascal, went on mm-hmm. several podcasts and was like, no, it was an error on our part in the way we, we basically had poor execution of how we explained it. But then every single podcast I listened to where he sat there and explained it, he would always admit, he'd be like, Yeah, you you have to trust us. He's like, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to trust that what we believe in making a good product. And then, you know, he tried to explain the sharding and all that. And people would still be like, Yeah, but like, do you still see how like it's not true self-custody? And I just, you know, I I kind of I was with you in the same thought. I was just like, Yeah, I have total self-custody. It's the only the only, thing, the only thing with the updates is literally for the interface of how to interact with sending and receiving any sort of currency. It has nothing to do with the device itself other than that. And so to learn that that was not the case was very disheartening. And since then, I have chosen to move to other avenues. But this was one that when it first came up, I was like, I would love to pursue this avenue just for fun, you know, because um, I really love the idea. I think it's a really fun idea. And I think it's one of the more interesting ideas because it has a big layer of seriousness to it, as you obviously stated, right. but then I think it also has a great layer of fun to it, um, which I've never seen in any cold, in any wallet storage period. It's always very methodical, very um, financial, very economical. You know, it's supposed to be plain user face, plain way people interact, you know, in out just similar to your bank account. And so correct me if I'm wrong, but it looked like from the little bit of like footage and documentation you had that it's going to be, Based off similar to like a Pokemon game for inspiration of getting your seed phrase and like interacting yeah. to do transactions.
1: Yeah. So there has to be a high level of randomness um, inside the program that is generating a seed phrase for you in order for it to be secure. And Game Boys are not able to generate that level of randomness um, needed to do that securely. So there has to be more inputs from the user and a lot of timers, a lot of, um, random interactions, and then hashing a lot of different types of user inputs. And, um, the sort of things that we're trying to go for here is one is very, definitely very much inspired by Pokemon. Like you said, I mean, I grew up playing Pokemon red and Pokemon emeralds and, um, The nostalgia factor just makes it really fun. The idea here is to create a game where you go in, you have some random inputs that the game generates for you, and then the user uh, going around the town, doing some quests, um, playing a fun game for a short amount of time, uh, creates enough input randomness from the user that we can get a big enough random number and use that to generate uh seed phrase securely and you can store that on the device so there is a there is a real game aspect to it uh and the other part is you get your seed phrase from this cat uh, because you're never supposed to share your seed phrase with a person
0: (laughs) i actually really like that that's funny
1: (laughs) yeah so i'm hoping there'll be like a little bit of i'm hoping there will be a little bit of this education aspect to it it makes it fun. It can be a good introduction if you're trying to explain seed phrases or the security of it or how you're supposed to store these things uh, to other people who maybe aren't so uh, into crypto or Web3 but interested in learning about it.
0: Sure. And I mean, it also gives people another, you know, some people prefer to, some people are like I store all my crypto on one cold wallet, I break it across multiple. Some people I store some in cold, some in hot, whatever. I think this is just a cool option for people who are, you know, you're not, you know, if you want to store it all on there, go for it. But Mm -hmm. if like somebody's like, I just want to have the option to store, you know, maybe a quarter of one of my Bitcoin on there. And like, that just seems like a cool option to me. Or maybe I want to store like three ETH on there and just have it as a fun, secure way that in the event anything happens to all my other wallets, you're like, I know this is completely isolated. There's no way for it not to be. And so I think it's right. a cool concept to just have as a backup, like, you know, you could just call it your emergency fund wallet. If you're like, I can't trust everything on it. You're like, it's, you know, it's an air-gapped emergency fund wallet. Um, and so I think it's great for that. If nothing else, you know, just as if you're looking for a cold storage wallet to break things across, you know, I think it's going to be great for that. And I also think you're competing because unfortunately a lot of the, Air gapped and nobody can see I'm doing air quotes. Cold storage wallets really aren't air gapped, and the ones that lead the market purport themselves to be that. And then it's funny, the ones that truly were after the whole ledger debacle, or CoinKite being one of them, saw such a surge in sales. They're like, we couldn't keep up with demand. Great thing, great place to be in, great thing to have. Not good for our customers who really want to get to a more secure place, but have to wait maybe three weeks to a month before they can get the card the whole time kind of sweating, being like, what's going to happen with this whole thing? Like, I'm kind of worried now, instead of being able to self custody immediately be like, I just wish I had the option to get this thing and just move it off and be done with it.
1: Right. And to be clear, we're not trying to compete with them. We're not trying to compete with ledger. It's sure. just about giving people options and yes. educating people that, hey, everything doesn't have to be so high tech, so connected, actually low tech, Uh, analog solutions um, can solve a lot of our problems around security, around encryption and uh, cold storage, but also in in other aspects of our lives, too.
0: Could you elaborate more on that?
1: Uh, Sure. I mean, I think everybody hates smart refrigerators, and the refrigerator telling you what's inside of it uh, is a huge waste of human resources and ingenuity when you could just, you know, have uh, open the door yourself and figure it out.
0: Definitely. I often wonder sometimes with tech, it gets to the point where you trust tech to do such a simple task for the sake of uh, streamlining or being like, well, I have more important things to worry about. You know, it's always the personal assistance uh, trope. You're You're always passing everything off to your personal digital assistant to the point where you're like. Well, if you were just efficient about it and took the 10, maybe 15 seconds to look in your fridge and go, I don't have milk. I should probably get milk. <laughs> Instead of being at the store and going, do I have milk at home? And taking the gamble of being like, I guess I'll just buy some because I'm going to use it and go home going, crap, I already have milk. Versus being like, well, let me pull up my app for my fridge, which will literally show me a picture inside my fridge. And I can go, oh, thank God I have this because I would have never. How would I have solved this issue of knowing if I had milk in my fridge? And you're like, there's oh. just I get I get what you're saying. There's so many bigger things you could be wasting your time and energy on than that.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think that's, that's one example, but just our lives are very connected right now. And mm-hmm. there's also a loneliness crisis in this, sure, uh, you know, Western civilization. And there's a lot of, there's, I think most people would agree. There's a lot of issues of being over-connected. I don't want to get too philosophical about it. Um, but I do, I do think the product is a little bit rebellious in nature and uh we're only going to really do one batch like a, a one batch run of this basically. Oh, okay so this is not like the game wallet is not going to be the long-term competitor or alternative to ledger that people are hoping for it's a really cool project uh it has awesome nostalgia factor it will be a great example of how to build something analog that's also secure and really powerful and, and unlocks things uh, for people that really unlocks digital sovereignty for people. But yeah, it's not, it's, it's not going to be the the ledger competitor people are, are hoping for maybe, but it's going to be really fun. It's going to be really cool and I'm excited for it.
0: I am too. So can I ask this? Because I I have in the past, like, I don't really collect as many video games as I used to. But obviously, sure. there, there are games out there that take, you know, limited run games is one of them where they take or um, they take digital games that are only digitally released, they produce a limited physical amount of them and then sell it on their website. And if you get it, when you get it, you do. And if you don't, you don't. And I'm, right. I've seen both models where they what they used to do is they went, there's only going to be 3000 of these ever. And that's it. And people would be like, okay, I'm going to order it. And then once they started growing too much, they go, hey, that model doesn't work for us anymore. We have a lot of people. One, they, you know, you obviously want to make more money if you're trying to run a business for revenue. But two, they sure. were like, it's unfortunate. So many people are missing out on the items. So what they started doing is they would do a four week pre order going, hey, so many people want to order in this four week period, go for it. Whatever it comes out to, if it's 9,500, we'll just round it up to 10,000. And um, then we'll just we'll distribute the other whatever remaining ones to local stores and places. So that way you have a time period where people can get it. And I'm wondering if I, and if you're allowed to share, you don't have to, if you all have a plan, if you're just wanting to do like a batch number, or if you wanted to do like an open pre-order to be like, Hey, if you're interested, this is your only chance, the time frame to get it. Or if you don't know yet.
1: Yeah. So we're planning to do the latter. So we're planning to do a sale later this summer. Uh, we plan to use JuiceBox, which is a really fun crowdfunding platform for crypto projects. You might remember it from Constitution Dow and all the money that was raised on JuiceBox that time to try to buy the Constitution. Um, what you suggested is pretty close to our plan, I think, of we'll see how many pre-orders there are and how many people actually want to do this. You know, our marketing when we announced it was pretty viral, and we had a lot of people join our Discord and say how excited they were and that they want to buy a ton of them. So I think as a collector's item, it will be really fun. And then that will basically be it. Uh, We'll release the game open source. We'll release the code open source, and I'm planning to make a guide for if people want to take the files that we're creating for the game and then flash them to their own Game Boy cartridges so once we're done our production people will be able to do it themselves and then that's pretty much it for our production run keep has this overarching mission of making web3 and crypto safer and easier for more people and this is an extension of that but it's also kind of a fun side quest for us to be working on game wallet while We also offer, uh, other services to people building dApps and we're now working on our own, uh, DeFi protocol right now as well. So in terms of the business model, like you mentioned, it's probably going to be a one time run for game wallet and maybe it will be a collector's item. I don't, I don't know, but it will be really fun. It will be really cool. And then we'll go back to, um, kind of focusing on our, our more core products that, uh, you know, keep our, our company running.
0: Got it. Well, that's really cool though, that you have that ability to do that with your yeah. company.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's great. We have, we have a lot of autonomy. Uh, the, our company keep raised $2 million earlier this year from the Lao Skycatcher, um, Buffy corn ventures and other other dows, lemnus cap, um, so we're very like Web3 native, and we're lucky that we have enough autonomy to be able to do these really fun projects and grow our brand and, and create really fun tools that uh, people are excited for and just make crypto more more fun and accessible.
0: Yeah, and, and it's rare to meet because I feel like there's a lot of companies out there where, you know, they they say that's what they want to do and then through a lot of their services because not all of them have products obviously sure it's definitely um once it gets released the community can be like i don't know if you're really serving our best interests or your best interests but i like how with this with your product it's it's clear it's a parallel to your company to be like this this product is all for the community benefit education awareness really give people options but by no means is it Going to be what our entire company is going forward. It's just a unique thing that maybe we'll do something similar later. Maybe we'll do other unique projects, but we're still going to keep to our core. And I actually like that because that's that's more realistic to me in terms of how companies establish themselves. I mean, when I think right. about companies who are like, people always complain. They'll be like, oh, well, this company gave back nine percent of its profit uh, to like. This or nine percent of its revenue to this like small community, and people go, yeah, but like, what did it do in the community? And when they can point to specific things, people are a lot more aware of it. Or like some companies will give out grants where they're like, they give out um, a, like a rip- XRP. I know they do this a lot, where they're like, if you have a small Web3 project and you're like, I'm struggling to get funding, they'll give it to fifty thousand dollars. You don't have to pay it back. Their only caveat is like, can you develop it on the XRP chain? Because we're always looking for new projects and stuff. And so maybe that's somebody's breakthrough. That once they do that, where they got no other chances and no other opportunities, they give to a community and they can go jump to do other things they want to do in other communities. Um, and so I just, I, I like that where there's that actual end goal or end um, derivative from what somebody says they do versus what showing what they said they were going to do, they actually did rather than just saying, hey, right. look at the great thing we did. Yeah. Personally,
1: I can't stand any of the hand waving or, um, you know, people who can't explain where the yield comes from or uh, you know, saying that you're going to focus on a product or support it for a long time when it it clearly doesn't have any sustainable business model or or things like that. You know, we're, we're always going to be really transparent. The code is always going to be open source. Uh, We're never going to push any updates because you can't push updates. It's a game boy. So, you know, I, I hope it will be really clear uh, and the expectations will be clear about what to expect when people order these and that we're going to be there to provide support and, and make the sign up process easy and the, um, uh, make the buying process easy and uh, make sure everybody gets a really high quality product and then it's kind of on your own. And, and that's the real nature of, of sovereignty and self-custody.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Honestly, too, I, I wanted to ask you this because you you sound very in favor of open source coding. Am I am I right in assuming that? Yeah, okay, course. and it's so it's interesting because you'll meet people in the space who they're either like, yes, I think it's a great thing. I think we should have it because it allows for transparency. It allows for people to um, essentially audit you and figure out on their own. And then I meet people who go, no, it's security risk, because by releasing all that, somebody can find some sort of issue with the code, nobody else knows about it, and they can use it to essentially break it. And then because you essentially publicly posted it, I'm just wondering what your thoughts or opinions are on that.
1: Uh, yeah, nobody who says the latter, who says that closed source code is more secure, uh, they don't. nobody who says that knows any what they're talking about. And I would never consider using any DeFi protocol that was closed source. Far, far more bugs are found and fixed because the protocol or because a service or especially in crypto or an encryption tool or something like that. Far, far more bugs are found and fixed rather than exploited because something is open source. And it's something that the community cares about. Uh, You know, we have so many developers and technical people that have reached out asking to help with Game Wallet or to learn more about how it works because they're interested. And as we build a community around it, um, we can only be strengthened by um, having more people that care deeply about the things that we're building and who want to help and contribute to it. There's no way that could ever be a, a downside.
0: Well, I, I appreciate that perspective because I, I'm not even going to pretend since I'm not a developer or a coder. I don't know one way or the other. I always was led to believe, from what you said, I felt open source was good because when you have good actors in a good community, people help you out and and really fix, like you said, the bugs and the issues. And they're like, sure. hey, I, I love this product. I don't want it. This is a big issue. I don't want this to happen. and And it's just great because you have more eyes on it. Maybe I know some coders and developers are like, you, some, some are really good at thinking in really different ways, and then some are like, I, I think in code a specific way, so having somebody else who thinks in codes a different way like, is a really helpful perspective to look at my right. code and figure out things. So I always liked it that I like to think of the idea of that, right. too, that, yeah, there's all the, the white hat hackers, and there's all the good people in there who, you know, they believe in the community, they want to do yeah, good in definitely. the community.
1: definitely. I'm sure there's examples of otherwise of closed-source projects that don't get hacked and some open source project that was hacked because it was open source. I'm sure there's a counter example, but sure. as a general rule of thumb, I would say it's overwhelmingly on the side of things are more secure when they're open source.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting too because so many people trust audits from companies that they've likely never heard of or like they're like, "Oh, our our contract's been audited, our team has been doxxed." Um not saying that there aren't companies that do a great job with that, but you can also see there's been plenty of rugs in the past where you're like, of that course. project was supposedly audited. That team was supposedly doxed. And so I always feel like open source, like you said, really truly lays it all out. You're like, I have nothing to hide. There's no way I can hide it if I, if I show it all to you. And then if you also have the audit and the dox, you're like, look, we've been audited, we've been doxed. Here's the code. You, you can decide for yourself. And I think if you build a good product, and really, Or a good, um, a good product or a good brand or you really have the time and energy put in with the right people, that people will see that in the way you interact with your community and how you present yourself. And so I, I think that's, that is a key point to making yourself uh, show that you care about your community and the people who are involved in your project. Because realistically, you can build the greatest thing ever. And if people don't believe in it or believe in you, it doesn't, doesn't matter for anything.
1: Right. Inspiring that confidence is really important and showing how we got there is really important so before we start the sale for game wallet we'll also publish a little document explaining the math and how Mm -hmm. the seed phrases are generated and why we think that the level of randomness uh going into that generation is secure enough to actually trust with your crypto
0: and so are you all still also i'm i mean i know with um just creating a physical product and getting all the pieces together shipping distribution all that jazz really puts a strain on like you're like i have this initial price in mind for what i might want to sell my product then as more things fall in place you go okay well to make sure we're like even just you know everyone's different whether they want to break even or make a profit and how much of a profit they want to make um yeah. do you all have any idea of like a range you want to sell it for or are you waiting till you get closer yeah. to having those ideas in place
1: I mean, I wanna sell it for as little as possible because I wanna see as many people with them as as we can. It's not really about making as much money as we can here. Like I said, it's the educational aspect, it's the fun of it, it's the getting more people to to care about these things. it has to pay for itself, so it, we can't mm-hmm. give it give it away. But the goal is that the price will be less than a Nano Ledger, which I think is $125 right now, and so probably targeting $100 uh, in that in that range. And if we can do it for less, great. But there's also um, you know hardware constraints, and we're manufacturing uh, new cartridges for a very old system. So there's not really like a supply chain that exists uh, for that. It's a lot of custom components. And uh, so we're going to do the best we can. And that's basically why we haven't launched the sale yet right now is because we're finalizing these hardware considerations for how things are stored. And um, I don't know if you ever played Pokemon red on an old cartridge, but if it runs out of battery, a lot of the cartridges have batteries yeah. in old Game Boy cartridges. And if you run out of battery, your save file is deleted.
0: So yes. obviously
1: that's not acceptable for a, a hardware wallet that is supposed to store your crypto for years and years. So we have to design the hardware to not rely on any battery. And that makes it more expensive. It makes it more compl- uh, the software more complex. Um but we're we're working on those problems now, and the, the target price should be, a uh, hundred to one hundred and twenty five dollars, and and maybe less if we can uh, if we can solve some more issues. We'll all be very transparent very soon.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought that up about the battery because I, I was literally going to ask that because I was just thinking about I've had to replace many batteries on my old cartridges where um, it dies and I have no I can't go back to a save yeah. data um and that's why for a lot of my games when i found that out i just got the um the adapter for my computer and i was like i'm just gonna dump my save because like i can't imagine losing like my childhood i know it's not like, uh, yeah. that big a deal but i was like man like i spent a lot of time on this as a kid and the, the idea of losing it is just i don't want to lose if i don't have to so it's cool to be able to like dump your saves, store them somewhere and then like if your game boy or your cartridge ever died in your place the batter, you could redump it and be like, it's like it never got lost. And I thought that was so cool. And I found that out and I did that for like literally all my N64 games and my uh, Game Boy games because I was like, I don't want to lose this.
1: <laughs> yeah, we will make sure that's not possible.
0: Well, that'll be really cool. I mean, I, 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 I can believe that that is some constraint, but it sounds like y'all are really, you know. I like that. How much of it is? Um, it really is like a community project, and I, that's. I feel like that's ab not abnormal, but it's not as normal as I feel like it could be in the Web three community mm-hmm. for a lot of projects. Um, you see it here and there. Maybe it's rather. It's not. It's abnormal. It's that they don't sure. get the press press that the for profit companies get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I think everyone was really excited about it. I was very grateful for all the press that we got after the announcement uh, on Decrypt on a lot of different places and I think it's just the nostalgia factor makes it fun. The timing was really good around uh when people care were caring a lot about um cold storage and how cold is ledger and, and other wallets. Uh and yeah it's just a lot of people seem really excited. So can't wait to start the sale soon.
0: Yeah I'm looking forward to it. Well so then let me transition. So with with web 3 nft gaming do you see that as because right now we have an interesting dichotomy going on between the traditional gaming sector of uh you know sony xbox uh all the gaming studios nintendo i mean i'm just naming the biggest ones of course but and then you have a lot of the bigger web 3 games that are coming out now um you know we got sandbox we got uh gods unchained you have do you see that like it's interesting to see that ideas and concepts from traditional gaming are finally making their way into web three gaming. I feel like in the last like three years, I've seen more AAA looking style web three games than I've ever seen before. And it, it was crazy. It felt, I feel like a lot of it was the funding from the last bull run went through a lot of studios. And then obviously it takes time to develop a game. So maybe it's just, they had the funding and they were developing this whole time. And now they're all just come. It feels right. like they're coming out of the woodwork, but they're not really, um, but, like, it, it's interesting to see that there's still two very distinct, separate economies, dichot- uh, ecosystems, rather. And I'm wondering if you think that they're going to continue to be that way, probably for the foreseeable future, because there may be people who just don't care for web through gaming. Or if you think eventually it might get to a point where they're so uniquely intertwined, where it's like you almost can't tell the difference between the two, because maybe eventually traditional gaming has to take some ideas from Web3 Gaming because people are so used to that and love that idea.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know about how intertwined everything gets. Um, I think tokenization of digital assets is good because it gives people more control and autonomy over their assets. If you have two video games that are exactly the same and in one of them, the developer can delete your items whenever they want and in another one, the developer can't, The second one is obviously better. It's just an obvious improvement. Like, why would I play an MMO where my account can be banned and my items deleted versus one where that can't happen if they're the same game? And to me, uh, you know, I I play on HyperPlay. I I basically try every Web3 game that I can um, just because I'm interested in it that that as a segment has only existed for like two or three years total. So we're still in the infancy of this. Mm-hmm. I think the the improvements and the value proposition of tokenized gaming, or I think, it, I don't know if it will be called Web3 Gaming. I doubt it. There might be another word there. Sure. But um, I think it, it's inevitable because it's an obvious improvement and there's new business models that are possible because of Web3 Gaming that aren't possible in traditional gaming, so Runescape could capture a two percent fee on all trade, and that would be enough to fund their company indefinitely, sustainably, if the gold inside the game was a real currency that they could pay people in, that they could pay for server hosting in, etc. And it's not because it's you know a traditional, old school game. But if it was, wouldn't that be an obvious improvement?
0: Yeah, and it's been fascinating talking to some other people who would start making a game and then get down to the in-game economy and the tokenomics and would be like, (laughs) I didn't realize I needed to understand real economics to do this. They thought it was so much simpler. And it's so funny how many of them would be like, we literally outsourced, hired somebody who all they do is tokenomics, brought them in, and they totally helped us with our in-game items, how we wanted the economy to operate, how we wanted things to go. And they're like, it It would have been something where, like, it's been for some games where it's such a imperative part of the game. They're like, without it, we don't think we would have had as strong an economy. And so it's always funny to see that it's like a mixed bag of people going, oh, tokenomics and in-game economies are super important. And people go, well, we can figure that out. If we make a fun-to-play game, that stuff will come naturally. And you're like, not not if it's what your game revolves around, a heavy aspect of the gameplay. Right.
1: No, I, I, totally, I totally agree with that. Um, to make it fun, it has to be balanced as well and and the financial side of it has to be uh, has to make sense
0: Well, and so then, like, what do you think about traditional gaming companies getting more involved? like you know Razor launched their own web3 VC firm um, like the former CTO of Epic Games works with Yuga Labs. Do you see that as a weird amalgamation of like yeah. kind of like the tradition on web 3 or you know tokenized gaming or do you think it's like a good thing? do you think it's a bad thing?
1: don't I, I, man I don't know I don't know about that uh, we'll see what happens I think anyone who says they know what the future holds uh, is lying or is full of themselves on some some level because we don't we don't know what, what is in the future ultimately uh, it might take five years but it might take 20 years for the standard to become assets in your games can't be deleted Your identity exists between different games. There's interconnected economies between games because all digital assets are tokens. I don't know how long adoption of that is going to take, but I think it's worth pursuing.
0: Sure, I can definitely agree with that. Well then, the other question I have is, do you have any advice you'd give to younger folks who maybe are, it doesn't have to particularly be a Web3 project, but maybe people who want to get involved in we can even say coding, developing, Web3. People who want to start their own project, do their own thing, don't know where to start, don't know what to do. What advice would you give them?
1: Uh, let's see. For someone who wants to start building, uh, you have to you have to just build something, pick something, a project that's very small that you want to create and start working on it. And the experience of figuring out how to build each part of it next will... Uh, help you learn the things that you need to do to actually get started in product development. And there is a ton of low-hanging fruit and interesting things to experiment with. I definitely suggest new programmers and people new to crypto that want to see what is actually being built instead of focusing on the price of different coins or uh, anything like that. If, If you want to build things, if you want to meet people like that, Go to some hackathons, try going to ETH Global hackathon that's closest to wherever you live and start getting your hands dirty. Go to some workshops and, and, and see what you can come up with.
0: I would definitely agree with that. I think... There is a lot to be said for just instead of building and focusing on things where you think you're going to make money building and focusing on things that you think are fun, great, going to contribute to things you would want to see in the economy. I mean, I think about so many traditional game developers where they're like, I literally made games I wanted to play that nobody was creating. Lo and behold, turns out a bunch of other people also wanted to play that game. Who would have guessed? And so that's always a really interesting thing to see to me. There's
1: a lot, there's a lot of, uh, things that haven't been tried yet. There's still a lot of experiments to do in in crypto and web three and definitely in the specific niche of of gaming for sure.
0: Yes. I would totally agree with that. Well, that's all the questions I have. Anything I missed or anything else you want to say in closing? Uh, No, I think that's it. All right. Well, Joseph, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you talking with me. I'm really, really looking forward to the release of your cold storage wallet. I'm, I'm definitely going to be a buyer. So I'm glad to hear it's going to be like an open pre-order. I'm not going to have to scramble to try yes, and get one from the crowd.
1: Sure. Uh, <laughs> um, definitely. And check it out on gamewallet.gg.
0: Yes. And I will have all of your links and everything on the show notes for everyone listening. You will be able to go to Joseph's site for Keep. You'll be able to find his socials, follow him, um, follow the company, everything up to date. And obviously once we get uh, closer to launch – you know, maybe we'll have another shorter episode just post launch to see how, how everything went and just give another update for people out there. Time will Short.
1: tell. I'd, I'd love to. Thanks for having me on today, Matthew.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Joseph. Well, friends, that's another episode down. If you enjoyed this podcast, we would really appreciate you rating it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you can rate and wherever you listen to and get your podcast. It would mean the world to us and help get this podcast to people truly are involved in web three gaming blockchain and cryptocurrency and want to learn more and stay on top of these emerging technologies if you have any queries want to reach out about any collaborations or advertisements as well as want to reach out with any improvements you think we could make on the podcast please email us at the web3gamer at proton.me we would love to hear from you and take every response very seriously take care and keep gaming my friends